Hey guys, Nate here. Man, long time no upload. Uh, man, you're probably wondering, whatever happened to those guys? Well, you know, life got busy for both Matt and I. I had some health issues and it was just a complicated time, but Trolls kind of came to its natural conclusion. I think we did 110 something episodes, but I miss podcasting and I just felt like, you know what? It's time to do some things again. So I'm feeling better and I just want you guys to know that I have a brand new podcast called Blurry Creatures. Many of you guys might remember years ago, we did some, uh, Matt and I did some episodes on Bigfoot and uh, they got a lot of love. A lot of people wrote us in, a lot of people listened to them. I think they were some of our most played podcasts and uh, it's, it's a fun topic. People like to listen to it and try to think about it, figure out what the heck's going on in that whole thing. And uh, I just want you guys to know I'm back, Blurry Creatures. I'm doing this podcast about this whole space. I've been researching it for over 10 years and I just love it. And there's so much information and I thought, you know what, I'm going to document it all and go down the rabbit hole with you guys. And I teamed up with my buddy Luke Rogers from episode 105 and he's coming along with me on the journey. And he's a great co-host, he's got that great podcasting voice, and he's in the Nashville area too, so we're going to really go for it. So you can head over to BlurryCreatures.com right now, and you can find all the links to our social media and all the podcasting um, RSS feeds and all that stuff. Subscribe on Apple um, Podcasts and give us a five-star review, that would be amazing to help us get up in the charts and get this thing rolling. If you guys could do those things, man, you'd make my, you'd make my, you'd make my month. And it's been a crazy year, and I thought maybe some good news for you guys. Nate's back in the podcasting space. Um, I'll forever miss Matt, and uh, he's busy making music. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep making the podcast. So I'm going to upload like maybe half of the pod episode one to this podcast feed, and you can get a little teaser and a little taste. But again, that's Blurry Creatures. You can find that everywhere right now. We haven't promoted this anywhere. I haven't promoted this on Twitter or my Instagram feed or or our Facebook feed. We've converted some social media stuff over, but we haven't promoted this anywhere. So I'm giving you guys, the Trolls listeners, a first glance and a first taste of this new podcast. Give us a shot. Some of you guys have never really looked into this topic, but hey, we're going to have fun with it. promise I'll make it entertaining. And I think you'll enjoy it. So far, I've been sending, you know, little links to my buddies, and they're all giving me great feedback. So it's gonna be fun. Again, blurry creatures. And here's episode one. Um, yeah. See you guys there. Podcast one. <laughs> this is it, man. This is it. This is the first one. This is a ten-year mine grenade that's just just launching off into its maiden voyage. 
Before we get started, blurry creatures, what we're going to call this podcast. Yeah. What are blurry creatures? Great question. All right. So to me, around the world, there's these like documented sightings of all kinds of creatures. And I think blurry, multiple meanings there. They're blurry because science doesn't recognize them. Science, quote unquote. Uh, They're blurry because they blur the lines between what is supposed to exist and what doesn't exist. Uh, There's, you know, there's been whispers and cries from people seeing creatures for hundreds of years. Um, They go like by the names of like Mothman, Jersey Devil, Dogman, Bigfoot, Abominable Snowman, uh, Werewolves. Um, Sometimes even people see like dinosaurs they're describing in remote parts of the world to this day near the Congo and Papua New Guinea and places like that. And they're blurry because, you know, the most obvious one is like in a panic stupor, someone sees something, they pull out their phone, they try to take a picture. Ah, you know, their heart's beating so fast. And But, I mean, they always do come out blurry. It's the frustrating thing. Is it like, oh, see that little blob over there next to the tree? That's it. <laughs> so, uh, blurry creatures, man. That's, uh, that's a name I came up with, and uh, I think it's got multiple meanings. Welcome. Blurry Creatures. All right, so my name's Nathan Henry. For those of you listening, for the past 10 years, I've pretty much gone down every rabbit hole I could find about the topic of Bigfoot, which led to other creatures. But uh, speaking of Bigfoot, I think it's a great place to start. I've watched almost all the documentaries, listened to thousands of hours of podcasts, I read all the articles, uh, watched plenty of bad videos people post. Like there's some, there's some like these, uh, you know, blogs where like they post like the latest video that came out. I've seen some pretty good ones. There's a couple of like every once in a while out of every like 250 videos, there's like one, one it's like, whoa, that thing was big and it moved and it didn't look like a, didn't look like a guy in a suit trying to pull a hoax. But uh, every new piece of information that I found sort of led to the next. And soon I was talking to my friends, my wife. And I kind of realized, uh-oh, like, <laughs> I'm into this topic. Uh, but, you know, there's kind of this point where, like, things transition to where you start to be afraid to go in the woods and you realize, okay, I'm I'm past the point of, like, do I think these things exist? <laughs> it's, like, affecting, like, if I'm walking around the woods, I'm, like, I'm not, a di- I'm not the guy I was before I started reading all this information and listening to all this information. So I've been wanting to do a podcast forever, and when it comes to – podcasting you got to find the right co-host you got to find someone who's passionate about the topic and have some sort of outside credibility i think not just like this crazy guy in his mom's basement um talking about bigfoot so you <laughs> know that is that is compelling <laughs> it can be i mean maybe if you're this crazy guy people love you but uh what about you luke what's what's tell us a little about yourself well nate i'm i'm happy to be a part of what you're doing here and i, I really think that that for me, you know, people always ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And um, I think we're all in that transition stage of, or all of us feel like we still have growing up to do. And I, I think if I were to grow, you know, to have that job when I grow up, I want to be a treasure hunter. I've said that for a, for a while now. Um, and to me, this is one of the, this is the, this is the greatest treasure hunt in the animal kingdom. This, this, is this is a huge mystery. I love mysteries. I love true crime. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm compelled by the mystery and the history behind behind Bigfoot. I um, I'm a huge history buff. I de- I devour history. I've watched 
a ton of shows on Bigfoot. I actually grew up in what what some might say is, is somewhat the epicenter as far as California in the Bigfoot sightings. I'm from Northern California. My grandmother is actually from grew up in Happy Camp, California, which mm. is right in the dead center of of Bigfoot country, real close to where the Patterson Gimlin film. So I have family yeah. history in this, and I've come come quite a way through sifting through evidence, watching documentaries. They haven't quite gone on that on that own squash hunt yet, but <laughs> I'm not against it. Don't do it alone. And so this this to me, exploratory wise, I, I I think there's a so many different threads of truth and also reality that feed into this story. And it's one of those things where people talk about unicorns and yet yet you don't have people that actually believe in unicorns, physical unicorns that, that are somewhere in the Irish um, highlands, right? And no one sees them. But for some reason across the country, across the, the world, people continually have sightings, hundreds of years of sightings, thousands of years of mythology, and there's got to be an answer. And so I'm, I'm here to kind of dive into this, you know, full, full body into, into this pool of, of, of kind of craziness. And like you said, it's, it's a lot of fringe, fringy type um, people in their basement that obsess on this. Um, Subcultures. I, I don't want to, I'm not poo-pooing that at all. I'm just saying I, I'm from an empirical evidence standpoint, I want to, I want to sift through the things that you have sifted through. And I want to go on this journey in, in discovering is uh, these these blurry creatures from from Bigfoot to you know, to the Loch Ness monster to these things that live on the fringes of reality. Some say in other dimensions, um, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm game to go to go on this treasure hunt. And at the end of the at the end of this rainbow, I'm hoping we find Bigfoot. Awesome. They just found that that one guy hid that treasure in like the Sierra Nevada. Dude. Yes. Okay. So. Force Finn. Were you bummed about that? Yeah, you know it's funny when that happened. My brother Jordan sent me a text and said, "Did you hear they found Force Finn's treasure?" Because my dad literally. And so <laughs> I'm not joking about treasure hunting. Like my dad comes to Nashville and he still lives in Northern California. Mom and dad live up there, and they come out here. I tell him to bring his metal detector, and we go on these little metal detecting trips to look for Civil War relics and things like that now on on private land on, on that we have permission. Obviously not. The illegal type of, yeah. of uh, but we, and we've done it the last couple of times. My dad loves it. And like, uh, I love it. It's the thrill of the hunt. Um, you could find some old coins and make some real money. That's the, well, you know, you never know. I think that's the fun part of it. And so are you one of those guys on the beach with the, like the, no, no, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> the don't, tempt, the... don't tempt me with a good time, but no, uh, <laughs> don't not so much. But I, I think that the forest fan thing is interesting in the sense that like, gosh, there's a real treasure that some guy who, you know, had terminal cancer that, Thought it was the end of his uh, his days. He went and hit his fortune, and it stayed out there for a really long time. I think some several people died trying to find it. Yeah, and everyone was mad at the guy. Like, hey, you, you, it's your fault. Yeah, yeah. I know. Cancel culture went after him even for that. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. Just think if you're, gosh, if you the guy that invented planes or cars. Could you imagine you. just finding that? Like, just that moment where we're like sitting there for like thirty seconds. Like, this is. I found it. Right. And you're hoping that he didn't, you didn't, that he, she, whoever found it didn't mortgage their entire life to find it, only to find out that they didn't break even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that's awesome because I think Bigfoot is sort of like, it's a treasure in a way that like someone's going to carry one out of the woods one of these days. And that guy, that person will be the legend, you know, the person who proved the big to the world that Bigfoot existed. But before we yeah. go there, I think a lot of people, let's talk about this. I think for me, there's like there's like three different types of people listening to this podcast. There's people who like, that. you say the word Bigfoot, all they think is tabloids. 
And then there's people who are like in the middle who are open-minded, who's watched a couple documentaries, had a, has a friend who's into it, has had some discussions around the bonfire late at night with a couple beers. And then there's like experts or not, you know, like above average people who are like, it's a hobby. They go out, they know the terminology, they go to conferences, they have a Bigfoot statue in their backyard. You know what I mean? Like, right, just, no, people, people live this. It becomes, it becomes the obsession <laughs> becomes their lives. If you watch on any of these great treasure hunters that end up finally finding the Titanic or these Spanish galleons or these amazing priceless treasures, by the time they've gotten there, they've mortgaged everything. They've gone bankrupt a number of times. They most of the time have lost family members or family or friends in the process. Yeah. And I don't think that's too unlike some of the subculture in this, where people are so convinced that is, this is something that exists and is worth finding yeah. um, that they sell out for it. Right, right, wrong, in between. I would say it's the, tre- it's the treasure hunt, right? But I think even before you start looking for a treasure, though, you have all these skeptics. You have all these people that are like, nah, it doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. And I think for us, episode one, what I'd like to unpack is like, okay, how do we get the people who are just cruising into this episode thinking to themselves, I've never actually legitimately looked into this topic. And I think over the course of the next several episodes, we'll go into depth, but you and I can go through real quickly th- these five major pillars. Right. And it's just for a little a back, just back knowledge or backstory on this is when Nate and I were talking about this podcast, I, I was asking him, well, so, you know, why, why do you believe in, that this is a, this thing exists and this is real? And, and, and what are your pillars of belief when it comes to, to Bigfoot, to Sasquatch, to Yeti, to the swamp ape, to everything you want to call them. What what is him or her? You know, what are your what are your pillars of belief? And for you, it came down to these to these five pillars of, of what you believe is evidence for this. And and I think breaking this down is very important to lay a foundation for the rest of this journey and discovery um, and topic and discussion on on the hairy forest man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Obviously, to me, number one is the Bible, right? You wouldn't think the Bible has anything to do with blurry creatures. Ultimately, when you go down the trail of of where Bigfoot is, you'll find eventually on podcasts, documentaries, they start interviewing pastors, uh, biblical scholars, because the history, you know, the Bible is one of the greatest history books of all time despite being religious text, it just talks about these creatures. Um, So in the Bible, the Old Testament has a term that's kind of dropped real casually several places in Genesis 6 mainly called the Nephilim. That describes these mighty men of valor. But they're, to most people, they're giants, literal giants. And, you know, like your pastor's probably not talked about this on Sunday morning, but they're there's hundreds of verses about these these races of giants. The Canaanites, the Zumim, the Raphaim, the, the Anakim. You can only imagine, like, if you're a, a theologian or you're someone who grew up in the church, and you're like, I've never heard this in my life. Like, this isn't a casual thing that the Bible talks about. Like, they even talk about how heavy the, the shields were, how tall they were. In Numbers, it says they were so big, they made the Israelites look like grasshoppers. So we're talking maybe 40, 50 foot tall. This isn't just something that is casually mentioned in the Bible. It's like a staple part of the Old Testament. All 
That's crazy. You grew up in the church. Yeah. You, under- you say here that that these are, the Nephilim were mentioned in three times as many verses as, as Mary, the mother of Christ, which we know in... It's just the word giants. Okay, giants are. But still, I mean, that's, that's an insanity. You think about the reverence for, for Mary, I mean, especially in the Catholic faith, and, and Mary's basically deified in the Catholic faith. And it's like, and yet giants are talked about three times as much <laughs> as Mary, mother of Christ. Well, these tribes are even discussed even more, like the Amorites, 80 times. But just the word, like if you have your Bible app, you can just, you can just Google words, you know, and it'll show up verses. And like, yeah, there's probably like 40 or 50 verses that just come up with giants in it. And, uh, it's wild. It, but it just goes to show you that like weird ideas, weird verses, they don't get talked about, right? But the Bible has a lot of evidence to support blurry creatures, so to speak. And uh, science hasn't recognized those things yet, but uh, there is a lot of reports. They've dug up these bones of these giants, but it doesn't make the uh, headline news like it used to. No, it doesn't. Makes you wonder. I'm, I'm interested to, when we when we hit this at full speed to understand the thought of how the how can we can relate Bigfoot to to the giants of the Old Testament and and how in your research in your mind these mix because I I would say that as someone who also grew up in the in the church in a Christian church that um, this wasn't a topic that, that you had at youth group or yeah it wasn't I mean it's for good reason I think in a lot of ways I mean a lot of times you we talk about the gospel and and this and that but it seems to be glossed over or intentionally skipped over in a yeah. lot of, and I think it's because it's one of those things that with empirical evidence, it's just not, you know, we don't see it or we don't hear about it. Those are two different things completely. Well, I think everyone at the end of the day is afraid of being laughed at. Right. And that a lot of these topics, like everyone goes, Oh yeah, science would just totally be willing to prove the existence of a blurry creature. And I'm like, not always like if something is so tabloid, it's connected to your ego, your identity, your your workplace, your livelihood. I've heard hundreds of accounts of people saying like, "Don't use my name. Keep my keep keep my identity secret." Uh, I've seen that on documentaries, and you're like, "Why?" Just talking about something he saw in the woods. I used to work for the forest department of forestry. I'm not allowed to talk about this. And you're like, "Wait a minute." There's so much weird taboo connected to this subject. So people think, oh, you're crazy. Everyone's open-minded. Everyone's willing to accept new ideas. And I'm like, that's not the case. People are closed-minded. No. And people are more concerned about feeding their families than they are trying to come out and say they support the existence of some creature in the woods. So anyway, the Bible is chock full of it. If you've never heard that, you've been given the Disney version of the Bible. But the uh, real rated R version, they have fallen angels, mated with men, created these giants, and they're all over the place. So bad, perhaps that's why God destroys the world in the flood, right? Yeah. That's the that's the rated R version. Wow. You were told probably a little bit different version. So that's just the Bible. Hopefully we can really dive into that. I know some guys that are really smart with all this stuff and can really lay it out and get your mind spinning. So pillar but number one for you the Bible. is the Bible. What's your second pillar? So the most famous documented accounts and it's not necessarily proven 100% that whatever happened in these accounts was Bigfoot. But, you know, sometimes in science you just kind of you, you, you kind of work backwards and you pull away all the possibilities and you got to go, something happened. So the Devil's Pass in- in- incident, you know, you're familiar with that one? Yeah, this is Russia. Yeah. In the Ural Mountains. Yeah, absolutely. I read the book. The Dyatlov Pass in 1959 nine Russian hikers who were students, they go up this mountain 
um, that's called Dead Mountain. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Like all these Devil's Peak, Dead Mountain, like Devil's Gorge. Like why are all these mountainous, crazy places with have the words devil in them anyway. Yeah. During the night, these dudes get attacked by something. And then they f- they run away from their campsites. They, they half of them are have hypothermia. Their campsites destroyed. But here's the weird part, right? Their bodies. They had trauma. One guy had his head smashed in, two guys had their chest totally totally smashed, and then others missing eyes, and then one guy's tongue was ripped out. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, I've, I've not only read the book, but watched um, some documentaries on this, and they actually show some of the photos that these students took um, along their way. And wouldn't you know, looking, they're taking pictures looking back, and there's blurry somethings in the picture. And when they really break it down, and you, and wait, you there's look blurry. At, there's like a bottle snowman in the in the photos. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't read that part. That's amazing. What they believe. What they. What they believe to be. You know. Again, it's. Ah. it's we talked about in the beginning. It's this blurry stuff. But there's so many odd things about this. The whatever happened to these to these campers, these student campers, they cut their way out of their own tent from the inside. Mm. So scared they didn't put on. Mm. They're in Siberia. They didn't put on clothes to be out in the cold. They ran for their lives. And they're deep in the Siberian forest in like the dead of winter. And one of the things interesting is that there, there's a lot of theories that they want to get away from something, you know, something along the lines of a Yeti or a Bigfoot. Um, even though there's a lot of what I would believe to be circumstantial evidence, that definitely is is probably the the biggest possibility when it comes to a hypothesis. These these students ran for their lives, ran for their lives away from their tent, away from the from the warmth of their tent. Some barefoot, some half dressed, cut their way out of their own tent. So these kids were scared for their lives, and then their bodies are are mangled and and beaten. Yeah, I read that some of them were like down the hill under a tree, and they were frozen. Basically, they like didn't go back to their campsite. They were kind of stuck. So the ones that survived ended up getting away from this campsite. I, I, and then one was like... No, none, none survived. No, no, I mean not sur- survived the initial attack. Oh, but they were all within a couple hundred yards of their tent. None of them went back. None. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then one of them was found in the ravine, right, with his tongue out? Was that the yep. one? Tongue yeah. ripped out. I mean, just pretty brutal stuff. And you think about that from like a, a forensic you know, standpoint. A, a bear can't rip a tongue out, can't... Can't gorge eyes out. No, it requires dexterity. Yeah. So that. I mean, so this is why it makes the list, right? Because it's it's like this. It's only so like either a crazy human being in the middle of the middle snow, of nowhere, Siberia. Yeah, Ural Mountains. Yeah. yeah. Or this creature Yeti that's been described for thousands of years to exist in these snowy Alps. You know, like came down. I mean, but some people would say, "Oh, you're just you're making you know you're you're jumping logical leap there. You're going way too far. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have proof that these things exist." But I'm just saying. There's only a couple of things it could be. Right. And I mean, this is just one of many. Yes. I mean, I would say that circumstantial anecdotal evidence. Um, I think another, and this is, this was for me is a book called the long, called the long walk, um, which essentially is a, a book written by a Polish prisoner of war who walked from a Siberian prison camp all the way to India, allegedly. Now, there's a lot of speculation about this and, and a lot of speculation about this story is that Ragowitz, the guy that 
that wrote it, most people agree that he probably wasn't the person that walked. But there's a lot of evidence that some of the Polish troops, um, individuals that actually did make a walk, and there's evidence that the people did, um, provided the basis for this story. And, I, and why he was named the author, um, I have the belief, and so are a lot of scholars, that he was writing on behalf of a group of individuals who could not be named because there's a lot of danger for some people that were still in the Soviet Union, that were still under Soviet control, um, that could be in danger because his name was on it. Or because so their names are true story, on it. but it's kind true of like story. The, the names and the characters have been changed to protect 100%. the identity. Okay, right. so what what about the story? That's well. Here is the thing that's interesting about the story, right? It's an incredible saga of of the human spirit and, and of overcoming and of doing sort of things beyond um, what we thought capable. You walk from Siberia to India after you escape a, a prison camp. But really interesting though is when they're going through the Himalayas, almost as an aside. Uh, the author says that they happen to see what they believe to be yetis, things that he couldn't identify, unidentify animals that were bipedal, that walked around and left huge footprints. And it was almost an aside in the story. And it wasn't, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is the guy walked from Siberia to, to India for his freedom. It doesn't add much to the story. It's not the focal point. Yeah. And if you're an editor or you're like a, you know what I mean? You're going to go to, you're going to go to your guy and be like, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to cut that part out. It doesn't. It doesn't lend credence to your story. You're like everything else is believable. You know, walking from Siberia to India. Yeah, I totally get that. You saw something weird in the Himalayas. Yeah, I don't. You know, guy. Let's let's take away from your credibility here. Let's just let's let's dump that one. But no, I mean, it, it stays in there. It's it's part of the eyewitness account. And when you've seen something like that, you your conviction goes. No, that's 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 the truth. I want that in there, right? When did you read this book? Oh, man, five years ago, six years ago. It's been a while. What did you think about Yeti when, when you read the book? I mean, I've always been had, a, had more than a passive interest in, in the topic. Does it jump out to you like, whoa? Yeah, it was like, what? That was a quick little couple paragraphs about walking through the Himalayas. Well, that's like the Nephilim in Genesis. It just, it just drops a verse or two, and then it keeps going, and you're like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Right. It's funny how that happens, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's interesting. So I, I've, those are just two examples, I think, of... of one for, one for me, one for you, that, that we find compelling circumstantial or, or anecdotal evidence for um, the existence of a crypto blurry creature. creature. But yeah. that's probably those hikers is probably one of the most do- well-documented like terror on the mountain stories, you know? Yeah. I've, I've seen that on dozens of History Channel, like stuff like that. So it's, it's a pretty popular story. I've actually heard that story on several podcasts. Like if you're an avid podcast listener, that one's pretty go-to for a lot of people. So the third one for me, and for the and this is probably the number one for most Bigfoot people, Patterson Gimlin film. And uh, if you're listening to this, you know you, you probably have seen the video where the Bigfoot's walking along this uh, on the creek and looks back, and there's like bumper stickers of this of this Bigfoot. It's kind of you know it was forever like the Bigfoot video. Um, yeah, shot close to your hometown, and a little bit further from my hometown. Yeah, up on the up on the Klamath River, and uh, so it's like fifty nine seconds, nine hundred, a little over nine hundred frames. And the, the the weird thing about this, at first when you see this, you think, oh yeah, it's just a fake guy in a suit. But when you, but the nerdy guys who get into this, it's a female, and it's obvious it's a female. And when they really blow it up, they get high definition. You can tell it's got female anatomy when it looks back. And you're like, okay, so if they're if, if these guys are going out in the woods and they're going to f- hoax this film, 
they did, they decided they were going to strap boobs onto this Bigfoot and have it walk through. <laughs> and think about the gorilla suits that were available in '67. Hard to believe. You know, I've, I've watched something you have where they, yeah, they break it down frame by frame, talk about the muscles um, moving and ri- and rippling underneath the skin, things that you couldn't you couldn't create. Yeah, and not in the '60s. Not it, it CGI now. You might be able to do some of that, but still, the level of detail that you can even pull off that film really lends itself to credibility. And it's not to mention that both of both Patterson and Gimlin are basically go to the well. Patterson goes to his grave saying it was real. Yeah, and Gimlin now he goes to all the Bigfoot conferences. He's kind of a legend in this. And and if we well, get yeah. if we get good enough, Luke, we might get him on this show. He's got a great mustache, dude. I watched his doc last <laughs> night. And it's like it's like a, it's like the old Hulk Hogan mustache, but it's white. And I, I mean. The dude wears just a Bigfoot hat too. I got, I got. We have to just digress on this, man. He was on this doc, really poorly produced doc. I was watching last night about Bigfoot. They're all poorly, and he produced. has just a hat that says Bigfoot, <laughs> and this sweet Hulk Hogan stash and thing. And dude, okay, he's legit, man. He's still living it, still living and dying. The Bigfoot man. He's 50, 50 years plus later. So there's something interesting I want to note about the the Gimlin film. I don't think I've ever told this to anybody, but I have a theory about why they were able to capture. Uh, such the best film since. And I think it's because, here's my theory, and we'll get into this further down the road. They say, and I say they, I mean, people do Bigfoot. Uh, they talk about, because people will call them up and say, I have, a, I have a problem. These Bigfoot are coming up to my house. We live in a rural area. We don't know what to do. People call terrified, right? Most of these guys get phone calls because they don't there's no one to call it's like ghostbusters who do you call right you call like a guy who does a bigfoot podcast be like what do i do like there's these creatures coming in my house that are supposed to not to exist but they're terrifying my kids i heard this from hundreds of stories like this and they're like put up some game cams and they're like what like yeah they don't like technology they don't like cameras and like you, you think oh yeah they're they're not smart enough to know this but i think these guys go into Bluff Creek and they've got an old film camera. So right. perhaps it's not the kind of cameras we have now or the technology, the infrared, the game cam, the motion track. It's just, it's, it's, it's more like a piece of analog technology. Sure. And I think maybe that's why they were able to capture it. If they, if you go out in the woods now and you had some analog cameras, cause people go, well, there's all these game cams everywhere. So why wouldn't we get all this footage of Bigfoot if it's out there? Well, they know they're there. They know they're they know they're cameras. They know they're there. I mean, I, was, I, I gotta just play devil's advocate though. In this in this sense, like in my house, you came into my house, and I knew you were here, and you set up a game cam in my house. Since I know my house well, we'll just say that the Bigfoot knows the woods well. If I didn't see you do that, how would how would it not just have, how would it not catch me once or twice walking to the kitchen in my underwear, or whatever? I mean, that's maybe not a great analogy, but. It's one of those things that, like, I, I, I can see what you're saying. It's just also... It's hard, get, yeah. It's, it's, it's scarcity. I mean, I guess if we're talking about, like, this, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the film is credible. That's what I'm saying. I, I just don't... I've pieced together this understanding that Bigfoot are sm- way smarter. They, they, they know what's going on. They know what's in the woods. And they can avoid a game cam. They have a, okay. some kind of ability. I don't know. You tell me. But but people put game cams around their properties if they live in rural areas and they go away. I've heard that dozens of times. They disappear. It's like putting like garlic on your weeds if deer are eating your plants. You put game cams around and then they don't come back. Wow. I don't know. It's like uh, it's like a deterrent. Hmm. Well, it's weird because some people say they have like their eyes right. So a lot of people see them at night. They say they have bioluminescent eyes. 
Okay. They have they have a they have like some kind of like night vision built in, you know. Okay. Like yeah. Plenty of animals have bioluminescence, right? We know yeah. that exists. That biology, right? Biological yeah. chemical reaction, whatever. So like, a lot of people say they'll see like gr- red eyes or green eyes in the woods, and they're like ten foot off the ground. Freaks them out. That would that would be it. Yeah, that freak me out. So um, yeah. Anyway, we can go forever on that one. All right, let's go to your fourth pillar. Let me recap real quick because recaps are good. Your first pillar is the Bible, um, biblical evidence, um, Nephilim, giants, the mention of giants, the mention of tribes of giants. All right, so that concludes the trailer. You can listen to the whole episode at blurrycreatures.com or search us in your favorite podcast player. Uh, I really love your feedback. And if you guys uh, send us a picture, screenshot, of giving us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, email it to blurrycreaturespodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to send you guys something cool. Um, yeah, that's right. Send us a photo. Help us get up in the charts. Help us get going. We really need your help to get going out there. Um, podcast starting is almost impossible. But I miss you guys. I really do. Um, it's been a long time. It was always fun hearing feedback from our shows years ago. And I uh, hope this is a little bit of a... <laughs> You know, it's a different flavor, but I hope that it satisfies your, yeah, some of your podcast desires. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in this space. Again, blurrycreatures.com. Thanks, guys.